Stay tuned for the Wine Crush podcast, where winemaker stories are uncorked. Wine Crush is supported by Country Financial Insurance. Welcome to Wine Crush, where winemakers tell the stories behind the vine. I'm your host, Heidi Moore. Glad to have you here for the fourth episode of Wine Crush. Thank you for joining us on Portland Radio Project. Today, we will hear two insightful wine stories, the first from one-third of a band of brothers who own a small family-owned and operated winery, and the second will feature an ambitious head winemaker starting his own label. First here from Marshall Davis Wines is Sean Davis. Thanks for driving all the way out here through the terrible traffic to join us today. It's good to be here. So I know that wine was not your first career or your family career. So let's start from the beginning and where it all started. Well, my family started a business uh, building and designing golf courses and managing them as well. So I grew up in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, um, where I started my golf career at a golf course called Teton Pines. And so all three of the brothers, so myself, Ryan, and Matt, uh, we all worked on this golf course. And then as I got older, I uh, got sick of golf course work and uh, moved out to Oregon. Got a Bachelor of Fine Arts at Southern Oregon University. Which we're going to touch on later because you okay. said something very poignant when we originally talked about fine wine and art and food and how yeah. they all merge together. Yeah, it definitely comes together. For yes. Sure. Yeah. So, um, okay, onwards with your. Your degree in fine arts. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I got a fine art degree in uh, painting and sculpture. And I was a starving artist for a year or so. Did the whole gallery scene and stuff. Didn't make very much money. So I decided to go to culinary school as well. So I got a culinary art degree from Le Cordon Bleu uh, here in Portland. Then I met my wife and we had children and the culinary uh, world was not paying what it was. I was hoping to make. So I got back into the golf business. Then when the economy kind of took its little turn in 2008, the golf world was not in the mood to build golf courses anymore. Sure. <laughs> so I took another job at a wine shop, and then I was introduced to a small winery uh, in the gorge called Domaine Pouillon. They offered me a intern position, and I took it right away without even asking my wife. And Which I, I'm sure went over well. Yeah, <laughs> especially since I was going to be commuting from Bend all the way to the gorge. Oh, goodness. Uh, so uh, it was great, though. I loved it. And I lived up there on their facility. It was an awesome experience, and that's what I knew I wanted to do from there on out. So from the gorge, how did you make it to the valley? Because you're also in Yamhill-Carlton, and we've talked about that in previous episodes. Yep, Yamhill-Carlton AVA. Um, so I was looking for jobs, permanent jobs, after the internship, and I found a job at uh, as an assistant winemaker at David Hill Winery up in Forest Grove. And so uh, I moved my family over from Bend, and we were trying to figure out where to move. I had taken my wife wine tasting in Carleton while she was in college, and uh, we really liked Carleton a lot. My middle name is also Carleton. So we, Interesting. Yeah. Can you do the well, dance too? No, no, I can't. Dang. <laughs> uh, so we decided to uh, make a home in Carleton. We really enjoy living in Carleton. And so uh, while I was living in Carleton, I was uh, the assistant winemaker, like I said, up at David Hill. And then I also became the vineyard manager as well. Gained lots of experience up there between the cellar and the vineyard, which was great. And then eventually I broke off onto my own venture. And doing your own thing. Uh-huh, yeah. I know you probably can't remember exactly what you told me, but the fine wine, the art, and the food, mm -hmm. and mix it together and tell me why it works. It works because I do feel wine is one of the ultimate uh, forms of art. 
um, it puts time and place and process into a bottle uh, for people in, to enjoy later and to also put their own experiences into it as well. I think it's just an amazing thing. I really love it a lot. So it's its own canvas. Yeah. Yes, it is. But I mean, it just captures so much in a, a tiny bottle. It captures a whole year and growing season and a place, uh, a vineyard, um, and then the process that the people put in, into it as well. And it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I like that. I think it's awesome. So we're going to come right back with Sean in just a few minutes, and we're going to talk all about his wine and what his signature is. You're listening to the PRP Podcast Co-op on Portland Radio Project at 99.1 in the heart of Portland and streaming worldwide at prp.fm. Welcome back to Wine Crush, the podcast where wine stories are uncorked. I'm Heidi Moore. Our guest today is Sean Davis from Marshall Davis Wines, and he's told us a little bit about how he got to Oregon from Wyoming and via wherever else you, you know, made wine and explored the world. But let's talk about the wine because that's what's important, right? Right, definitely. So I said something about your signature. Um, you had told me when I talked to you about what you like to uh, create and what you like to do. So I'm going to let you take this over and you tell us all about your wine. Signature, interesting. Um, the way I make wine, though, uh, I definitely come from the art background. I use the science as just little bits of information, but I definitely make wine for more of an intuitive process. I definitely use, you know, my eyes, my ears, my nose, my mouth as the main instruments for making wine. And that's all from the art for me. The science part is just just a little bit. And also with my agronomy background and golf courses, I also think that winemaking starts at bud break in the vineyard. Um, so we make decisions early on that will impact the wines throughout, not just during the growing season, but then into the winery as well. So hopefully when we make decisions that are sound for the vintage and, um, and when we get into the vineyard or into the winery, we don't have to do very much manipulation, hopefully. You let it just kind of yes. take, take on a form of its own. Yes, exactly. More or less. Uh, I really, especially... Um, with the vineyard, I really want to make those decisions ahead of time and then just be able to do my process in the winery and not have to manipulate as much as I really need to and let the, the grapes do their thing. I've gotten better and better at that as years have gone on. And I guess with that being said, too, uh, I, with my first winemaking jobs up in Washington, I always had an affinity for Big Reds. Didn't really enjoy living out in Washington very much out in the east part. I really like the, the climate here in, in the northwest part of the Willamette Valley. So I had to start making Pinot Noir, and I think Pinot Noir has definitely made me a better winemaker all around. Um, It definitely teaches you restraint, which I've used, I think, in my Big Reds as well, because Cabernet and Syrah are two of my favorite. Which we are drinking today, so thank you for bringing the Syrah and and the beautiful bottle, and I'm enjoying it very nicely. Thank you. Syrah is one of my favorites. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I'm enjoying it too. And like with Syrah, um, what Pinot Noir has taught me too is to, with Syrah, I bring it in at much lower brick levels than I used to. Like this came in at about 22.8 bricks to really help bring the fruit out a little bit more. And so so for somebody that doesn't know what a brick says, is 22.8 sweet or is it not as sweet? It's not as sweet as a lot of the guys in Washington are picking it, probably. You know, it's pretty low. I'm generally... Uh, when I when I call the vineyard manager at Seven Hills Vineyard, where we get this fruit from, I'm generally one of the first people to pick up Syrah because I I just like that freshness that you can get from having a little bit lower bricks levels and and just it's ripe but not over the top ripe. 
Got it. So you, you make a Pinot, but I know you have some big, bold reds and that's, I guess to me is what your signature is. Cause it's not normal necessarily in the Valley to have big reds on your, your Mm -hmm. menu. Yeah. So yeah, we do a Syrah and we do two different Cabernets as well. We do a Cabernet as well from Seven Hills Vineyard. And then we do one from a vineyard called XL, which is a little higher elevation Cabernet. And it's really kind of fun to taste the difference in the Cabernets as far as kind of lower valley versus uh, higher elevation Cabernets, which have, I think the higher elevation is just a little bit more robust and, and have a little bit more oomph to them. Sure. Which we try to manage in the, in the winery too. And that's the fun, <laughs> sure. the fun part. Sure. So. It's all part of the art. Right. Yeah. And um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the other things that you have going on, including um, your other projects. And we'll be back in just a second. Support for Wine Crush comes from Country Financial Insurance, offering simple steps today to solve big problems tomorrow. For more, go to countryfinancial.com. We are back with Sean Davis from Marshall Davis Wines in Carleton, who was just telling us about all of his wine. But Tasting Room is a little bit unique. It's not a standalone as of right now. So tell us about where it's at and the other project that's wrapped around it. So our tasting room is in Carlton on downtown, which is not a very big downtown, but it's easy to find. A couple blocks uh, long. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, my wife and I, we have a restaurant as well called The Horse Rash, which Julie is the owner and operator, and she does a wonderful job. And uh, our tasting room is a part of the restaurant. So essentially, we're a tasting room with a restaurant in it. It's been great for us because we've gotten a great start having that uh, model. Lots of people come in, you know, they're able to have a good lunch and then also taste our wines as well. Um, we also carry other wines there as well, but uh, the main feature is our wines. Yeah. And I mean, I want you to talk a little bit more about your restaurant because it's really phenomenal. It's very well known in the area. It's not just a restaurant. No, it's not. We call it a wine pub. My brothers and I, we're definitely beer dudes. We like to drink beer and hang out and we model our wine business kind of after a brewery model and have a little bit more fun with it and have a little bit more approachable. Um, I mean, wine can get kind of stuffy sometimes. And um, so, yeah, we call it our wine pub. It's a good place to come hang out, you know, have a a good sandwich. Uh, I like the pastrami sandwich. It's killer. Me too. Yeah. yeah, It's 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 absolutely my favorite there. It's really good. Um, And, but you can hang out and then we do live music on Friday and Saturday nights. Uh, But you have something great going on most Friday and Saturday nights, yeah, don't we you? Yeah, do. Tonight is awesome. Uh, I'm a big reggae fan, so we actually have a reggae band tonight called Soul Seed. They're from Eugene, um, but they tour the country, and they're awesome. It's going to be hopping, and there'll be a lot of wine flying around and beer as well, but it, it makes for a fun little place to hang out and have a tasting room in as well. Yeah, no kidding. So, but your tasting room is moving, so it's moving out of the restaurant soon. Yeah, we're still going to be having the wine in the restaurant. Um, we're just going to have a secondary location um, just down the block. I mean, we're literally three or four doors down. We just want to have an area where we can actually talk about the wine a little bit more. The restaurant's gotten to the point where it's been so busy that my brother or myself or my wife, we can't really talk about the wines and tell the story, um, which I think is important too uh, with wine. Um, I think it's part of the art. So we're going to have an own facility that it's actually attached to an art gallery, which is pretty cool. Yeah, no uh, kidding. So, yeah, we'll, there'll be art in there as well. And, Full uh, circle. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's going to be pretty cool. Um, so, But we're opening that next Friday. Cool. So, yeah, it's coming very soon. Super fun. So you also have um, your annual vineyard party, which is for club members? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's an invite only, but it's wine club members, friends of ours, industry people we know. 
uh, it's just a fun event that we do towards the end of summer. It's right before harvest and uh, enjoy the last part of the summer before we got to work our butts off uh, for a couple months. And, uh, but yeah, it's a good time. We usually release something fun every year. Last year we released our first estate Chardonnay. And then this year we're releasing our black label Pinot Noir, which is our higher quality, whatever that means, uh, Pinot Noir. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Perfect. And the last thing I want you to touch on before we um, leave you today is the the Ryan Davis collaboration project So and what that is. Yeah, Ryan Davis, uh, I was making wine at Carlton Cellars uh, a couple of years ago, and I was sharing a space with a winemaker named uh, Steve Ryan. And so he had his clients, I had my clients, and, you know, we're just working and just doing your grind. And so I got together with him and it's like, let's just do something fun that we can both kind of go back to in the middle of harvest and just kind of talk about and have some fun with. So we started a little label called Ryan Davis. Uh, I was able to get some fruit from the David Hill Vineyard, which is a 50-year-old vineyard planted by Charles Curry. So I was able to get some 50-year-old vines on Rooted Vadensville that was planted by Charles Curry. And we did a fun little project and it's it, it's been really cool and I enjoy it. The wine's fun. It's real geeky kind of stuff though. So are we going to be able to see the wine somewhere that we can taste it? We have it at the tasting room. Oh, we'll, perfect. We'll definitely be tasting it. And I hope going forward, I'm going to do collaborations maybe with some other winemakers as well. You know, That'll be something you know, definitely to yeah. look forward to. Kind of in the spirit of the breweries, they always yeah. do collaborations. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Well, thanks, Sean, for joining yeah. us. Oh, it's been a great being here. Thank you. Yeah. we Yeah, the story of Marshall Davis is super fun. So, and thank you for, again, coming to Portland. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. After the break, we'll meet Jesus Guillen from Guillen Family Wines. You're listening to the PRP Podcast Co-op on Portland Radio Project at 99.1 in the heart of Portland and streaming worldwide at prp.fm. Welcome back to Wine Crush, the podcast for wine lovers. Now you'll meet another winemaker with ambitious goals and a story to boot. Jesus Guillen from Guillen Family Wine and White Rose Estate, Welcome, Jesus. Thank you. So I know um, when we met and we chatted, um, you told me that you were originally from Mexico, and that is a long way from Oregon. So you need to probably start from scratch. How did you get here? What did you do? Um, I think my story actually starts, you know, because um, my dad came to the United States. He was into agriculture back in Mexico. And um, in the year 2000, you know, the, the economy in Mexico was terrible. So my dad had to do something to feed his family. Uh, one of his um, friends, childhood friends, uh, was working for Temperance Hill Vineyard, which is in Salem, Oregon. He invited my dad to come to the United States to work in the vineyards. So he worked alongside um, his friend, you know, Temperance Hill. And soon after, uh, found a job actually working for Tory Moore Vineyard, farming different vineyards there, including White Rose. So when the owner of White Rose Vineyard purchased that vineyard, um, he kind of knew my dad and uh, they decided to work together. So my dad is a manager for White Rose Estate. Myself, I uh, graduated as a computer systems engineer in Mexico. Since my dad was here, I graduated early in 2002. And I came to visit my dad for a couple months to Oregon and really loved it because the scenery is different. I'm from Jimenez, Chihuahua, Mexico. Over there, you know, it's like a desert. It's very brown, very dry. Doesn't very rain. different up here. Very different than here. Lots of rain, lots of green. For sure. I really... Uh, Loved Oregon, you know, during the two months that I got to stay here. So I returned to Mexico just to basically get my paperwork done, you know, for graduating and uh, getting my papers uh, as an engineer. And I came back to here with the idea of uh, learning English, uh, staying for like two terms, you know, like six months, uh, learn a little bit of English and then return to Mexico. 
But during those six months is when I got exposed to winemaking and wine. Decided to basically go to different wineries and uh, use the taste different wines and uh, got the appreciation for Pinot Noir. And uh, when the two terms were due for the English program, I went to think about that decision, you know, staying here or since Mexico, and I tasted two of the best wines I've tried to date and uh, decided to stay and pursue a winemaking career. A very scary decision because um, I didn't know any English and my winemaking skills were very new. So I decided to stay for two years and see what would happen. And one thing went to another, met the owner of Waters Estate. He gave me a job working in the vineyard. So I worked for two years in the vineyard, moved to the cellar in 2004. He named me the cellar master and then basically made the winemaker position in 2008. So are you the head winemaker now up at White Rose? Yeah, so I'm the winemaker for White Rose Estate. Um, I basically made my own wine back in 2006 for my label. And basically that was by an accident. Just because in 2006 there were some some vaults that damaged some vines that White Rose was working with. And those vines didn't yield uh, very high quality fruit you know, for the White Rose winemaking program. So uh, they were going to replace those vines. So I asked, you know, what about the fruit that is hanging in those vines? And they're like, oh, it's going to be lost. You know, we'll pull those vines and replant. I asked the owner if I could use those, the fruit. He said, yeah, you know, you can use it. That was and, my first one. And, and the label was born. Yes. Well, stick around for just a few more minutes because we're going to talk a little bit more about that label and what Jesus is doing with it. Support for Wine Crush comes from Country Financial Insurance, offering simple steps today to solve big problems tomorrow. For more, go to countryfinancial.com. We are talking with Jesus Guillen on Wine Crush today. Thanks again for joining us. You had recently mentioned, well, in the last segment, actually, that Starting your own label was kind of an accident because of the voles in the vineyard that had damaged the vines and the fruit was just really to be lost. And so let's talk a little bit more about your personal brand, the Guillen Family Wines, and what you're doing with it and what we can look forward to. Yeah, when I started making my wine, basically I wanted to I wanted to just make wine, you know, because uh, when I said to stay in Oregon, I wanted to become a winemaker. And uh, even though I was working in the wine business, I wasn't really making decisions. So I wanted to make my own wine. And that fruit, you know, back in 2006 gave me the opportunity actually to make my own wine, even though the, the fruit wasn't as high in quality as I would expect. The owners of that vineyard came and tasted that wine and they liked it a lot because it was very different. You know, it was Pinot Noir, but it was very different. So they offered me to work with their fruit uh, the next year. So that's how Guillaume Family Wines was born, basically. And uh, at first, you know, I was making the wine just like uh, kind of like normal winemaking, you know, very, very simple techniques. But in 2009 is when I started to make uh, wine the way I wanted to. And I'm very basic, you know, in the fundamentals. So I, I made my wine basically just with the goal of uh, complexity and harmony. I want to enhance complexity for Pinot Noir because I love this varietal. It's one of the most wonderful varietals that I can taste wine from. And you kind of overlap some of the techniques to add complexity. They have to have harmony as well. So I use uh, whole clusters, you know, mostly to enhance complexity. Nettie yeast fermented, a lot of different yeast ferment the fruit to make it more complex and also surly aged and with some oak. But all those components have to be in balance. You know, uh, the oak doesn't have to be over the top or the stem doesn't have to smell over the top as well. So I'm very gentle with all those techniques and use a lot of intervention, basically, to intervene a lot in the processes to, to achieve the harmony I want. And uh, the wine, I bottle it with harmony, meaning that if acidity or tannins are high, 
the balance is achieved uh, in the aging process. So that's the way I make wine, you know, it's based on complexity and harmony. So is Pinot the only varietal that you're making or are you expanding past that? I love other varietals, but Pinot is the one that uh, got me into wine and I lived, I learned to appreciate it and love it a lot. So I make only Pinot right now. I make a rosé of Pinot Noir, but um, I like to expand a little more in, in the future, uh, maybe making Chardonnay and uh, hopefully uh, Nebbiolo, you know, which is kind of the varietals I like a lot. You just said the magic word when you just said rosé. I love it. I oh, think absolutely. it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. beautiful to look at and it's a great um, middle of the road wine. So you had mentioned that you're opening your own tasting room as well. Where is that going to be? When is that going to be complete? Well, one of my customers, you know, bought a property uh, near the Dundee Hills and uh, he wanted to build a tasting room there, but uh, he had also like a big building, like a big garage, you know, that used to be like a sports court. One time I visited him, he told me that, you know, that he would actually build a tasting room. I'm like, well, you know, don't you build a winery next to it? He's like, yeah, absolutely. We can build a winery. So I'm, I'm moving there to make my wine and we're open by appointment only in that place. Uh, Those are really good friends to have. Absolutely. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> well, you've got a lot going on with your own personal label. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of your other projects. Sounds good. Thank you. listening to the PRP Podcast Co-op on Portland Radio Project at 99.1 in the heart of Portland and streaming worldwide at prp.fm. Welcome back to Wine Crush, the podcast chock full of winemaker stories and corked. I'm your host, Heidi Moore, and we have Jesus Guillen in the studio who is currently in the midst of starting his own label, which we've talked about, but he also has the other winery, White Rose, that he also makes wine for. So let's circle back and talk about White Rose a little bit and what you're doing there. Yes, uh, well, White Rose has a very specific style, you know, that we actually um, kind of learned over the years making wine. Uh, The winery started, first first vintage was in 2001. Basically, you know, uh, he built a place in 2002 and started to make wine there in 2004. Over the years, we use a little different techniques to be able to achieve what the style is for white rose now. The goal of white rose is to use fruit from high elevation sites that portrays more acidity and more classic attributes of Pinot Noir, kind of the, how the classic Pinot Noir tastes. Because when you have kind of lower elevation sites, the fruit tends to be more pronounced, uh, but high elevation sites ripen, ripen kind of late in the season, and uh, they give you more classic attributes. We don't use a lot of oak, so it's very minimal. The oak is just to give complexity, but not really overpower anything. So it's usually like 10 to 15% new oak. And uh, we don't really age on the leaves as well. So we try to portray the Pinot Noir in its purest uh, form. We use whole clusters a lot too. Now, most of the wines are 100% whole cluster fermented too. But we use a very specific yeast that is very clean and really clear. Uh, doesn't really add any any other components to the wine to preserve, again, the picality of Pinot Noir. So that's the goal for, for White Rose Estate, to make these wines. And your grapes are coming more from the Dundee AVA, correct? We use Dundee Hills AVA, we use Chehalem Mountains and McMinnville. So we use different AVAs, but uh, most of the vineyards that we work with are over 700 feet in elevation, just because we want uh, the classic attributes to, to show in the wine. So when you're talking about classic attributes, what are you comparing being classic to? Classic, you know, um, has to be kind of um, fresh and crisp and uh, mostly red fruits for Pinot Noir. 
because normally if you have like black fruits, you know, it kind of means that it's maybe lower elevation or kind of warmer weather kind of uh, uh, growing conditions. So it has to have the floral, the spices, and also the earthy tones, uh, but everything in balance and, and, and very classic and kind of elegant, not really over the top for anything. Interesting. So are there other varietals that you're working with other than Pinot up at White Rose? We work only with Pinot Noir, too. Only uh, Pinot. The, the owner is very passionate about the varietal, too, and that's probably why I'm very passionate about it, too, because I learned a lot from him. We learned together to appreciate the best ones in the world as well. That's a great partnership. Uh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yes, perfect. It and it's a it's a cool tasting room as well. It's, it is high elevation. The doors going into the tasting room are just... Everything, very unique and yes, they're very everything cool. is so beautiful there you know the view is magnificent uh, it's high elevation so it's kind of top of the hill you can see almost anywhere and uh, the tasting room is kind of uh, very cool and dark you know but uh, i think the the owner's goal is so you can come in and focus on the wines and also when you want to enjoy the view you can just go out and enjoy it absolutely that's why there's no windows there <laughs> yes well yeah it was snow there was snow on the ground last time i was there when we met that day yeah it's so. not actually last uh, saturday you know it's i mean it's, 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 it's high it's yes, definitely high on the sure. hill so you also have a project that we've talked about on previous episodes as well called red white and black with bertoni faustin and some other you know winemakers in the area so touch on your experience with that what your role is in that and importance? I think the role is just uh, awareness. You know, uh, in Oregon in general, you know, there is basically uh, the idea that a winemaker should be uh, male and white. You know, there's not really a lot of variety. So um, I think the, the role of that, my role in that is to just create awareness. And um, because I was very fortunate that the owner of White Rose gave me opportunities to grow and to become a winemaker there, which is not really normal for a Hispanic to be a winemaker in Oregon. But, you know, hopefully this documentary kind of creates awareness and... Uh, they Open the doors to others. Yes. So the owners of wineries gave opportunities to people like ourselves. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I've missed every single showing that has been out there, and I cannot wait to actually catch. Oh, you should go. I will. I, I will definitely be going <laughs> as soon as I can make it. Thank you so much again for coming out here and telling us the stories of both White Rose and, and your personal label. It's extraordinary. Oh, and can't wait to come back up and see well, you thank again. thank you very much. A pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the fourth episode of Wine Crush. Have a great weekend.